Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back out of his seat. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center. And he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. This week will include Father's Day interviews with the race bench coach Tom Foley. We'll hear from the race first-round pick Joshua Lowe on giving his dad a Father's Day gift he'll remember. And we'll look back at a memorable Pride Night at Tropicana Field. We continue on this week in race baseball, and our feature guest on this Father's Day is race bench coach Tom Foley. Fo, thanks very much for joining us. Tell us what Father's Day means to you. Well, uh, for me, uh, my father passed away a while back, so it's uh, reflecting on on the times that we had together, the things that we did together. Uh, and now with my sons and, and now having a grandson, that, and, and just looking back and be thankful for what I have. Did your dad inspire your interest in the game of baseball, and if so, how? Well, he played uh, in the military. He played uh, shape baseball or softball and baseball uh, when we were over in Japan. Uh, we were stationed there for four years. so And that's where I learned to play baseball, over in Japan. And uh, he helped coach every team I was on in Little League until I got into junior high school. Uh, so, yeah, he had a big part in, in uh, what I'm doing today. Tough coach? What kind of coach was he? Tough? Well, let's just say the first time I played for him, I was on the bench. I didn't make the start in the lineup. So you want to talk about tough. Coach's son can't even start. Uh, and, you know, he just taught me right from the beginning. If you're not going to have to play, you're not going to play. And, uh, you know, he worked with me every day, spent a lot of time with with the kids. Uh, uh, you know, I look up to him. Uh, I'm thankful that, that I had a dad like him. And uh, just hopefully I can be the dad that he was, that I can be to my kids. Now, were you the same with your boys? Did you ever coach them at the Little League level? I know, I mean, this is now your 40th season of professional baseball, so have you even had much of a chance to do that? Well, I, I did here and there, but for the most part, I stayed out of the way. Sometimes uh, uh, when you tell your kids something, uh, they may not listen. When it comes from somebody else, they may listen. So uh, I kind of stayed out a little bit but helped here and there with them. And plus, with me being in the game, I was gone a lot, uh, unfortunately, in our business. Uh, you know, away from the family a lot, so that sacrificed time with the kids. But, uh, yeah, uh, they, they, they enjoyed it. I tried to make every game I could. Uh, uh, I was blessed with a wonderful wife, took care of them, took them to all the games. You know, I work to pay her. You know, she, she does all the work because we're gone half the, half the year, so I was blessed. How much have you enjoyed and how quickly has the time gone with the race? In fact, June 19th, this Father's Day, is the 20th anniversary of that first Gulf Coast League game, the first game that actually had the name Devil Rays or Rays attached to it. Right. Yeah, it was, a, it was a long time ago. It was 21 years, wasn't it? 20. 20, 20 years. So, yeah, it's, it's been a long time. Uh, I got here when basically we didn't have a player in the organization. And now to see where we are today, and, uh, you know, we went through a lot of bad times and then a lot of good times, and, and we're trying to get back to those good times uh, uh, with a competitive team this year. So, but it flies by. Um, enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, you know, probably can't remember a lot of things, but enjoyed it along the way. And uh, we'll see what happens this year. You've had so many different roles. I mean, for many years you were a third base coach, but before that, I mean, you headed up the farm system. You're now the bench coach. Of all the roles you've had, what have you enjoyed most, and why? 
Well, you know what? I can't pick one out. I've enjoyed them all. Uh, when I first came in the organization, I was the field coordinator and then became the far farm director and then did both, uh, probably getting my feet right in the door and not knowing what I was doing. So I had to learn on the run, uh, made a lot of mistakes, uh, but learned, you know, a lot of people to thank, Chuck Lamar, Scott Profrock, uh, Bill Livesey, who helped me tremendously on, on the other side of the game off the field. Uh, so, you know, then guys coming in the organization, Jimmy Hoff and and uh, Steve Henderson, Chuck Hernandez, a lot of guys. I I could go on with names, but, uh, you know, we grew with all those names. We grew, the organization grew. So I couldn't pick uh, a specific job I had here. I love third base, love being on the bench uh, with Cashy and the rest of the staff. And so um, I just love my time being here. What are your best memories to this point in this organization? Uh, well, I, I would say clinching a playoff berth and then – I guess beating the Red Sox here in the seventh game uh, to get to the World Series. Uh, I think me and Hindu, Steve Henderson, uh, when that happened, we kind of hugged each other and had a little watery eye because I'd never been to the playoffs, much less the World Series. And, and it, was an, it was a huge accomplishment for the organization. Indeed, and I'm sure many more great moments to come. I would imagine that you've got to enjoy it that much more as we chat with Tom Foley on Father's Day on This Week in Race Baseball to see your son, one of your sons, now involved in the game and actually scouting here in the state of Florida for the first time. Yeah, no, it, it's great. He wanted to get into the game, and and uh, he did his work, uh, worked hard, finally got a job, a couple of interviews, race finally hired him, uh, and he's worked his way to where he is now. Uh, he was up in Chicago area for three years, I think, and then uh, they moved him back down here to Florida, which is great, bringing him, the wife, and the, the grandkid down here so we could see him all the time. So blessed that that, that, that happened. Uh, he's worked hard. I'm proud of all my kids. They, um, I got an older son who's working in Switzerland for Pricewaterhouse. And um, got my daughter working at Tampa General as a nurse. So, um, you know, they've all accomplished a lot of things. Uh, but I, the biggest thing for us is we're such a close-knit family, real close. Talk to them as much as we can and uh, spend as much time as we can together. Did you encourage or discourage him from getting into the game initially? Uh, no, no. I would never discourage anybody, uh, you know, if, if they, they do what they want to do and if their their heart's in the right place, and then go for it. And, and he did. He had a passion for the game. They both played high school baseball at Eastlake, Eastlake High School. And then after that, it was done. They went to Florida State. Let me get that plug to Florida State. Uh, all three kids went to Florida State, as well as my wife, as well as all my money. Uh, but uh, after it was over, they made their own decisions. And, uh, they, they, uh, you know, when he, when he made that decision to become a scout, he went full board and he loves it. To be in the game as you have, as long as you have, you have to have a passion for it. Do you see your passion in him a lot in terms of the game? Oh, yeah. You know, when I call him, I want to say, hi, how you doing? How's the family? When are you going to bring over the grandkid? I want to see Nolan. And right away he's off talking about players, throwing that scout lingo at me, and, you know, I'm trying to decipher it. But uh, and that just tells me how much he how much he loves his work and he's into his work. So, yeah, he's made the right decision. How much do you spoil your uh, your grandchild, Nolan? Probably as much as I spoil my kids. So, <laughs> you know, they uh, yeah, well, anything I can do for them, I will. Uh, Nolan, uh, as much as I can see him, I try to when we're home on on home stands and. Uh, but I make sure that they send me pictures all the time, and they do just about every day. There's a couple pictures that come through, and and I don't know how many I got on my phone. But uh, and then I don't know if he wants me to say this, but I think we got another one on the way. 
uh, in January. So I'm pretty excited. Congratulations Thank on you. that. And, you know, I'm curious, since we're talking here on Father's Day, do you see yourself as, I know you're not the oldest member of the staff, we'll make sure to get that out there, but you are the most veteran member of the staff. So do you see yourself as a father figure in terms of baseball? Uh, I've never looked at it that way. Uh, but, yeah, I, in, in a way, maybe so. I've seen a lot of players come and go through the organization. Uh, a lot of the guys that are here that are veterans, I've seen them come in and, and stay with us. And then guys leave that, that we see on, around the league when we go play them. So, yeah, uh, you know, the, one of the biggest things that, that we enjoy around here is being around the players, uh, the interaction the coaching staff has with the players. It's a good group of guys. Uh, the staff's great. Uh, we all get along pretty good. Uh, and, you know, when we have to say something to a player, it's, it's, a, it's a professional uh, statement. It's, it's not anything personal, and they understand that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but one of the, 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 the good things in the game, day in and day out, you're with these guys, 162 games. Uh, throughout the year, and and uh, uh, we're fortunate enough to have a good close group of guys. Best and worst Father's Day gift? Well, my Father's Day gifts are usually something like an iron or refrigerator or, <laughs> or a lawnmower or something like that. So, uh, and, and it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I, I guess a couple of gift certificates to Bass Pro, throwing that out there right now. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's a good time to go shopping at Bass Pro and uh, get the things I need. But Again, the, the best gift is just is having the family together. And it won't happen this year. We're on the road. We hit the road right after the game Sunday. So, uh, But I know how much they love me, and they know how much I love them. And and I'm, I'm sure, you know, the players love having you around too. I'm curious your relationship with Evan because you're one of the few guys on this staff who's been around him for every part of his major league development. Yeah, you know, Longo came up here, and there wasn't much work to do with Longo, if any. He, he was good, flat-out good. Um and he played that way from the get-go, and he's been a professional since he got here, and he's a leader. You know, he might be one of those guys that might not be as outspoken as some of the leaders you, you might look to, but he's one of those leaders day in and day out. Day out. He's grinding it out on the field uh, and at the plate, and um, it's just been a, a, a good relationship. We talk. You know, if he needs something, uh, uh, he knows I'm there, And uh, but for the most part, he really doesn't need a whole lot. Uh, but he's just been a constant to the, in the organization, a constant to his teammates, and uh, a constant to the game. He's out there every day plugging away. What do fans not see about him that they probably should know or would be important to know about how he goes about his business? You know, with Longo, uh, his preparation is probably as good as anybody's that I've been in the game with. And it takes a lot for him to stay healthy and stay on the field. He's got a, he does a lot of things pre-game, pre-BP that he goes through. Uh, to get out here and perform every night. And he's had injuries in the past that, that might have slowed him down, but uh, he's figured out a way to go ahead and uh, suppress those things when they come up and, and keep himself on the field. So the preparation before a game, uh, the routine that he has uh, uh, in batting practice, the ground balls that he takes, he knows when to go, knows when to back down a little bit, uh, you know, take fewer here as the season goes along. It's a grind. But uh, he's just a professional. He goes about it. He's learned. I mean, it's been a process for him from day one to now to get to where he's at. And, what he, and now he knows what he has to do to stay on the field. In addition to probably being one of your best infielders that you've had, who are some of the other guys who stand out when you start to look back at all the time you've had? Because in addition to being the bench coach, you spend a lot of time with the infielders. Well, there are a lot of guys that have been here that uh, were good infielders. Uh, Travis Lee, um, uh, James Loney, uh, Bartlett, Aki, 
Uh, you know, Zobris was in and out in the outfield, but uh, solid. You know, Logan, who's here now, uh, Forsythe's played a solid second base uh, since he got the starting job last year. Uh, you know, I'm missing names. Cabby, solid. Uh, you know, we, we're known to, for pitching and defense uh, in the past, but, uh, you know, these guys also have added some offense, too. Don't get me wrong. You got The only way you can win is to score runs. But they played solid defense. And, and when you look up and a ball is hit to somebody, you know they're out. Well, hopefully we'll see a whole lot of that here as the season goes along. Enjoy your Father's Day. Thanks for joining us on This Week in Rays Baseball. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. That's Tom Foley, bench coach of the Rays. More after this on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on this week in Rays Baseball, and happy Father's Day to the Rays Vice President of Communications, Rick Vaughn. Uh, RV, first of all, today is the 20th anniversary since the first game that had a team with either the Rays or Devil Rays on it, right? And you were there. I was. First uh, first of all, happy Father's Day to you too, Neil. Uh, I was there, and uh, it was at the Gulf Coast League opener for us in 1996, and I had only been here for uh, a couple of months, and um it was amazing to see what was going on with that game because it was a Gulf Coast League game, which typically, as you know, GCL games are played at noon. There might be two people watching. And there were, uh, I think our final attendance for that game was over 8,000. And it was free. We didn't charge anything. But I can remember driving up to the park that day. The game did start at noon, and it was on what is now known as Fox Sports. It was, uh, I think it was Sports Channel, and they carried the game live. But I can remember driving up that morning, probably 7.30 in the morning, and the line of people waiting to get in went around, way around the block, and uh, because we didn't have any, obviously, advance tickets or anything. So there were probably four or 500 people in line to get in to see this game, and um, it, was, it was electric. And it, the ballpark was filled while batting practice was going on, and, um, you know, it was, it was one of the really special moments that I've had in my 20 years here. Is it hard to believe now it's 20 years after the fact? And how quickly has it flown for you? <laughs> it is pretty uh, hard to believe that it's been 20 years. I think the first couple of years there was so much adrenaline going on. And, uh, you know, obviously we didn't win as much as we would have wanted to. But then uh, some of those years might have dragged on a little bit. But, uh, you know, when, when uh, Stu Sternberg bought the club and we sort of rebrand, well, we did rebrand ourselves in the fall of 07 and, Everything just came into a, it was just a perfect confluence of things that happened. And the, the, those years have gone very fast. You know, they, uh, they're, they're very, I can remember them very distinctly, each one of them. I have a hard time, dis, you know, differentiating 99, 2000, 2001, and so on. Uh, but the last few years have gone quick, but I can remember very, I have distinct memories about all of them. What are your best memories overall in this organization? I mean, you're one of the few who's been here for 20 years now. Yeah, it's. I, I think you have to. You, you have to say, uh, you know, beating the Red Sox in Game Seven of the LCS. You know, for me, especially after we had the big lead in Game Five at Fenway, and we lost that lead and lost the game. And we were. I just remember we were all trudging through Logan Airport at like 1:30 in the morning, and everybody was just kind of sagging. And uh, you know, we had a workout the next day, and then we were supposed to play Game Six the following day. And then we come home, we lose Game Six. And the momentum was completely going their way. And then Matt Garza pitched a great game, and Price came in and finished it off. And I think that moment of uh, Aki uh, uh, feeling the ground ball and stepping on second and seeing the faces of B.J. Upton and Carl Crawford running in 
at full speed, and all of a sudden, they, it was like they became little leaguers. They threw their hats in the air. They threw their gloves in the air, and they were laughing, and, and it, was, it was one of the most joyous moments I've ever had working here was to see their reaction. You know, I was moved by the way they reacted. They were kids again, and here we were going to the World Series, and I, I'll never, ever, ever forget that. I pull the video out probably every four or five months just to watch Price get the last four outs of that game. <laughs> And, and with good reason. You know, certainly Friday night was moving for other reasons. What was Friday night to you? Well, I think more than anything, it was just, a, I think it was a great opportunity for people here to come together and to kind of all hug it out. You know, I mean, it really was, uh, I saw a lot of people with emotions on their faces. And um, I think it always helps when you've got other people around you to deal with it. I mean, Whatever your beliefs are, the, the bottom line for me is that they're human beings. So, you know, the, the fellow, the many of the victims of that are human beings, and uh, my heart was breaking for them and for their families. And I think it was, you know, I, it was kind of cool to see the video board showing scenes from all around the world of people that were rallying behind Orlando, and it, I think that definitely must help the, the uh, survivors. Indeed, you know, you've been probably this is Father's Day. You've probably been through plenty at the ballpark. What does Father's Day mean to you? Well, I mean, I have very fortunate. I have two grown girls that I am immensely proud of. And, uh, I, you know, our life has been around the ballpark. You know, they, uh, they know the ballpark like I do. You know, when they were young, they were in spring training, and they were, they were walking around hand, handing out programs to the fans at spring training games, and both of them. And uh, they, they got to travel with us. They got to see By the time they were 10 years old, they'd been to almost every American League city. Uh, and to be able to share those moments with them, and then when when I'm on the road, they know where I am, and and uh, it's just a it it all culminates with Father's Day. But it's just been uh, it, I'm so lucky to have a wife and kids that they know they can only get me at certain times, but they they deal they love it, they still love it, and they they embrace it. And you were privileged to have one of your daughters get married this year, which I'm sure as a dad has to be kind of one of the neater moments in life. Yes, it really was. And it was here in St. Pete in November. The weather was awesome. And uh, we had just a terrific time. And, uh, you know, she lives in Orlando now. And she was actually with us the weekend of the, of the Orlando uh, shootings. And uh, her husband and her have many friends in Orlando uh, that very easily could have been in that club at that time. So they were a nervous wreck all weekend until they – you know, were able to cross off the names of their friends that uh, that were were not there and that were uh, were safe. Everything certainly touches a whole lot closer to home. RV, enjoy this Father's Day and many more. We appreciate you joining us on this week in Rays baseball. Thanks a lot, Neil. And that is the Rays Vice President of Communications, Rick Vaughn. Before we continue on this Father's Day, let us pause for station identification. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. This is Tampa Bay Sports Radio. Hit a wall! Go! 620 WDAE St. Petersburg and 95.3 FM, home of the Rays. You know, this past Friday, the Rays signed their first-round pick in one Joshua Lowe. It certainly was a family affair. His older brother Nathaniel was signed by the Rays after being a 13th-round pick. Nathaniel already has joined Hudson Valley as they started play on Friday. And I spoke with Joshua and his dad, David, who passed on a professional baseball career to serve in the Navy and got their take on what this moment meant. I never had the dream to be a, a professional baseball player. I always dreamed of being an astronaut. And um, so when the opportunity came, I just I chased my dream. 
And then as the boys were growing up, uh, they're, they didn't have the same dream I did. Their dream was to come out here and, and play professionally. So we, Wendy and I did everything we could to make sure that they had the, uh, the opportunity before them. And they both, they both have had a lot of success on the field and were, were very, very blessed to, uh, to be here today because of that. When did you guys all think that what happened for you, Joshua, and what happened for this family could be possible? Um, I'd say at the end of the last summer, uh, after I had a pretty good summer circuit there, and my brother did his thing in summer ball, um, realized he was going to play at a D1 school, he was going to get a lot of recognition there if he did well, which he did. Um, everything just kind of started to come around and realizing this is, this is a real-life situation now, and uh, that's, when it, that's when we started realizing what was going to happen. From a, the parents' perspective, we, we recognized the, the athletic ability in both boys early on. We just um, needed to get the boys in the right situation with the right instruction, and we did. Um, and you just, in the, in the right environment, they just bloomed, both of them. Their skills just, just took off and, and got them to this level. But there's, there's still a lot more upside in both of them. So we're looking forward to that. So what's the brotherly relationship like? Let's hear from Joshua and also from mom and dad. <laughs> um, I'd say that we're always competitive, but we're supportive at the same time. We love on each other. Um, but there's a time where you need to be competitive and push each other to the next level, and I say we do that and mix that all up pretty well. However, it hasn't always been that way. <laughs> I will tell you that Nathaniel is, is a much bigger um, kid than, than Joshua is. He's got you know, 40 pounds on him. And as, uh, as the, the brotherly love got too aggressive, we, you know, we had to stand in the middle of it to make sure it was an even fight. Um, but I will tell you, over the winter, we did. Um, I was in throwing batting practice with both boys, and it was really um, refreshing to see the the way they would feed off of each other, the instruction that was going on. Because you know, Nathaniel's been around; he spent three years in college, and um, he's, he's seen a heck of a lot better pitching than than, uh, than Joshua has. But to see the the way they work together and the way they discuss different techniques or you know different things they needed to do with the head of the bat, it, it was very very refreshing from a dad's perspective. You haven't played together since your freshman year of high school and his senior year. Can you even fathom what it would be like to play together with the minors and then potentially the majors? Well, I would see it as hopefully us winning another championship together because the last time we played together we won a state championship. Um, and I know we both love to do that in the Rays uniform, so that's what we're looking forward to. I'll, I'll tell you my dream as a dad, not only for them to be world champions in baseball, but I want to throw bat in practice to both of them in an all-star game during the home run derby. That's my dream. And that is a pretty good dream indeed, especially on Father's Day. We certainly appreciate the time with Dad David and son Joshua Lowe after the race first-round pick signed with Tampa Bay. Joshua will play in the Gulf Coast League, which begins play this week. Now, while the short-season teams are set to begin or already have begun, the Florida State League is now at the All-Star break. And joining me now on the phone, Charlotte Stonecrabs manager Michael Johns. Michael, before we discuss your All-Stars, can you assess your first half for me? I think there's a lot of good things that happened in the first half. Um, obviously, we've had some guys move up, which is really our goal and what we do. Uh, we're a pretty consistent team. We, it doesn't, didn't seem like we could ever really catch fire and get a bunch of games over 500, but it seems like we just pretty much stay consistent, win a game, lose a game, win a series, lose a series, and that's how you end up 500, which is right at where we are, right at the 500 mark. But, you know, I think if you look at, at individually, I think we have a lot of guys that are, 
closer to the big league than they were when we started the season. So, again, that's really our goal. And, obviously, we want to win every game. But if we can get a lot of guys at the big leagues, and that's uh, we're going to be happy. You, know, you touched on guys moving up, and, and one of them was one of your all-stars. Let's start with Cade Gata and the half that he have in, had in, in earning the chance to go to Montgomery. Yeah, what a great story he was. The, um, you know, honestly, he came to us as kind of the fourth outfielder and a guy that kind of had to work his way into the lineup, and he was one of those guys that I would plug him in, he gets two hits, sit him a day, plug him in again, he gets three hits, sit him playing the next night, he gets two hits. He just, it just seemed like I could not. He forced my hand to put him in the lineup every night, and in doing that, he played hard. He's a good defender, played center, right, left, and he ended up hitting the, in the top of the lineup, and he was in third or fourth uh, in the league in average, and he was going to actually get in the home run derby, but fortunately for him, uh, he was called up at Montgomery. Unfortunately for us in the All-Star game, he was going to be unable to play in it, but good for him. You know, those are the kind of guys that you root for everybody, but those kind of guys have a special place in your heart when they're not given anything and they earn everything. It's just a really neat story. Indeed it is. And another guy who's a nice story who moved up to double-A is Hunter Wood. He, I know he spent last year in the Arizona Fall League. He returned to you. Uh, what earned him the chance to go to double-A? Well, I, I think to probably put it very simple, Hunter Wood was pretty bored in this league. Uh, he, he dominated every team he pitched against. He goes seven innings, scoreless just about every outing. And I think we needed to challenge Hunter Wood. Hunter Wood needed to challenge himself and really good to see Hunter Wood. Last year he came up at the, at the last uh, part of the season, and, you know, I think he was a little bit overwhelmed. It was good to see him come back this year and really dominate. And I think, like you said, you can attribute a lot of that to the Arizona Fall League, which he takes good hitters every outing. And I think he got a lot. I got a lot out of that. You know, two of your all-stars are injured, Brent Honeywell and Nick Schufo. Give me a, a thought on um, how close they are to returning and where they stand. Well, Brent Honeywell uh, just did, I believe, four and a third innings or three and a third innings down in extended spring training uh, just two days ago. So I think he's very, very close to coming back with us. Um, I know there's some discussion about him throwing Monday, which would be after the all-star game. Um and I don't know where he's going to throw those innings, whether it be, you know, an extended spring training game where you can kind of monitor what happens or with us, where you now you start talking about a general run. And I think there's just a lot of variables that guys above me have to make that decision. I don't really want him back as soon as we can, but if he misses another start for us, it's not going to kill us for him. So I think very close. Um, Schuster, on the other hand, is, it's just a weird injury where there's not – Anything you can do for it, um, it's, a, it's a little bit of a broken finger at the tip of the finger, and there isn't anything you can rehab. It's not like you can get in there and, and grind it out. It's just one of those things that has to go on its own. So, I, you know, where he's at, I'm not sure. We, we always look at the workstation area, which I think they said was eight weeks. And just to touch on Brent Honeywell, one, one thing people don't realize about this guy, this kid's a baseball player. He, he, spent, he goes to the extended spring training at about 6.30 in the morning. Uh, stays till lunch, and then he comes with us. He puts in 14, 15-hour days just because he enjoys his teammates, and uh, th- there's a lot to be said for that. You know, we got off a seven-day road trip at 2 in the morning, and Brent Honeywell was the first one in my office. So he misses baseball. He misses his teammates. He misses pitching under their lights, and he's just a unique kid, and I, I think there's uh, some people don't, don't get to see that side of him. Certainly speaks to his character, no doubt. Two other guys who made the all-star team – 
Mac James, uh, your other catcher, and also Riley Unruh, who obviously benefited from his play in Australia this winter. Yeah, Mac James is probably probably going to play first base uh, in the All Star game. He may catch. I'm not sure. I know we have three catchers, but he had already made it as an infielder. So I told our league president if we needed him to catch, he could. And I, you know, I, I don't know where he's going to play in the All Star game. Hopefully, we can get him on the plate because that's really where he's playing now. Um, but, but what a good season he's had at this point. Really learn how to drive the baseball. And, and when there's guys that score, he's the guy that has really been clutch for us all season. Um, and then to have a guy that's versatile and play catch, that can catch uh, and play first base and a good defender, uh, honestly, for me, it's a lot easier. It's easier to make a lineup and get him in there. And then the other the other player, uh, Riley Unruh, started off hotter than probably anybody in the league. He's cooled off a little bit. Um, but I think he's going to be okay. Uh, I think he's in a, a spot right now where maybe he's a little bit worn down from, you know, he got more in-bats than anyone in the Australian Baseball League. I think he ended up with 240, 250 in-bats. So that's something for me. I have to I have to be careful cleaning every single day like I do the other guys and give him some break. Um, but I think he, he had some really good at-bats this last week, and I think you're going to see his summer start front climbing again. But, you know, what a great first half of the season he had, uh, not only offensively but defensively and you know, one guy who did make the all-star team for you that I wanted to make sure we hit on was a guy who also was in Australia, and that's Justin Williams. Uh, when he has played for you, he's been very, very good, uh, and he was great in Australia. I know he was uh, hit by a hamstring injury that slowed him down a little bit. Yeah, that's really the reason he didn't make it, is he didn't have enough at bat. Um, and I think he probably would have been in the mix to make the team. But yeah, he's been really good, and you know, if we can just keep him healthy, he's going to be fine, and he'll probably shoot through the organization because uh, he has that kind of skill set. So, you know, right now, Justin's having a lot of good at-bats. Uh, he's hitting fourth fourth. He's driving in a lot of runs. He's just, the production value for him has been really good since he's been back, and he's really starting to learn how to drive the baseball. And I think, it, like you said, it started in Australia where I think he ended up with 11 home runs in just a short amount of time. So I think the power is going to come right now. He's just a good hitter, and you always take good hitters, and you hope the power is going to come, which I think it will with him. Uh, Michael Johns from the Charlotte Stone Crabs, thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck in the second half. All right, Neil. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. And that is Michael Johns, again, manager of the Charlotte Stone Crabs. Now we turn from the minor leagues to two former Rays minor leaguers who this week made their Tropicana Field debut. One of them, Sean O'Malley, spent eight years in the Rays system before reaching the majors the past three seasons with the Angels and then the Seattle Mariners. And to play a Tropicana Field, Sean said it was exciting. You know, even though I didn't get to play here as a, as a Ray, it's, it's still nice to get back here and uh, see a lot of familiar faces out there and uh, catch up with guys I haven't seen in a while. Who are you still close with from this organization? Oh, Jamie Nelson, you know, Beckham, um, Alex Cobb, Desmond Jennings. I mean, the list goes on and on. Pretty much everybody that's on this team I've played with at some point in my life. So, uh, you know, to see all them and just to be around them again, it's it's nice. What were the lessons you learned in this organization that you think have helped you going forward? Because the last three years, you spent at least part of the year in the big leagues with the Angels and now Seattle. You know, I think uh, the Rays did a really good job of – uh, instilling uh, the work hard ethic, um, you know, and I've, I've taken that with me everywhere I've gone and, you know, to play hard. Um, sometimes the results aren't uh, everything you want them to be, but at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. You just got to go out there, work hard, play hard for your teammates and, you know, uh, keep a winning attitude. 
What was the, the break that got you up, and what did it mean to you? Because you put in eight years before you got your first big league chance. Uh, it was just God's timing in my eyes. Um, you know, somebody got an injury. I got moved up to AAA, and uh, I just tried to have as much fun as I could and ended up having a really good year. And, you know, the, the Angels rewarded me with a call-up, and I couldn't be any happier. You speak of fun. You have been up in Seattle parts of the last two seasons, and you grew up in the state of Washington. So what's that been like? <laughs> it's been fun, man. Uh, you know, I got to see my family a lot more. You know, coming up with the Rays, I was always on the East Coast. And it wasn't exactly uh, cheap to fly out there. So, you know, I get to see my family maybe once a once a season. and then. Uh, but now I get to see them every weekend. So uh, it's it's very special and very humbling. And, you know, I couldn't be happier. You had probably one of the more unique moments this season so far, I would think. You had the go-ahead RBI as a kid from Washington and the biggest comeback in franchise history. And as I understand, you were warming up in the bullpen at some point during the game because it was so lopsided. <laughs> yeah, they had me, they had me ready in the sixth, saying, "Hey, just just so you know, you might you might pitch the eighth if it stays like this." And you know, luckily we tacked a few runs on, so I didn't have to do that. And you know, uh, luckily I was able to come up with the game on the line and you know hit the go-ahead run across the plate. And being done from Washington and being part of Mariners history now is pretty special. Was that the best moment you've had so far? And if not, what has been? Uh, yeah, I would say that is. That's that's definitely up there, you know, besides stepping on the field the first time in a Mariners uniform. Uh, you know, that, that moment was uh, really nice. You know, I got to uh, feel like I helped my team out, came back, and, you know, it was, a, it was a big win for us, and we really needed that. And that's Mariners utility player Sean O'Malley. Now his teammate, another former race minor leaguer, Mike Montgomery, made his Tropicana field debut this week too. And Montgomery, who was traded for Erasmo Ramirez, Learned a lot in the Rays system. You know, the Rays really uh, played an instrumental part in, you know, helping me advance as a pitcher. Um, you know, coming here, seeing, you know, other guys that are really good, you know, the Price and Matt Moore and Cobb and, you know, Archer and stuff. And, you know, just being around those guys in spring and playing in Durham with them a little bit, um, you know, and just their philosophy on it has really helped me. And, you know, I, Definitely take a lot of that, you know, into what I do now. And, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where, you know, no matter where you go, you always got to pick up little bits of information, you know, there and, you know, coming up with Kansas City, still use things that I learned there. So it's, uh, this was definitely, this team definitely played a big part. You spent a couple of years in Durham and Neil Allen was there at the time. How much did he help you? Uh, oh, a lot. Uh, Neil really helped me and, you know, a lot of ways of pitching the mental side of the game and, you know, he was a great pitching coach, and, you know, our, that team that we had for both those years I was there, we were good. You know, we, we had a lot of good players, good pitchers, and, you know, I learned a lot about the game, and, you know, it's just uh, invaluable, really. You know, it's a lot of, a lot of um, knowledge. When you came up to the big leagues last year with Seattle, you started, mm -hmm. and that's what you did with the Rays organization, but now you're relieving. How has that transition been? Um it's it's been good uh it's definitely you know you there's a lot of different things about the bullpen than starting um you know i i think as a reliever you know you got to come in you got to be ready to go right away and i think that's one of the more difficult things and you know you don't always have the rest in between that you normally would so that makes it a little bit another challenge and but you know it's been good so far and you know i, I think last year uh, I learned a lot, you know, getting those starts up here. And and I kind of, going into this year, knew, I said, you know what, I, I, I would like to start, but I want to 
be in the big leagues and help contribute. And if that means out of the bullpen, then I'm absolutely fine with doing that. So it's kind of where I'm at now. and just try to go out there and learn from here, you know, whatever role I have. Who's been most helpful in helping you adjust to pitching out of the bullpen? Because, as you mentioned, it is different. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's really a combination of, of all these guys, you know, and with Mike Hampton, the bullpen coach, he's done both before, and, and I've talked to him about, you know, little things and not necessarily how to get the hitters out, just how everything else works and seeing the other relievers on the team, how they go about their business, you know, whether it's, you know, they, hey, you know, you threw a lot of warm-up pitches today. You don't really, you might not need that many and kind of taking those things into account. And that is former Rays minor leaguer Mike Montgomery now with Seattle. Now, when we return to Tropicana Field, we'll take a look back at Rays Pride Night coming up right after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Back to this week in Rays Baseball, I'm Neil Solons. This past Friday, more than 40,000 people came together to sell out the Trop, raising more than $300,000 to benefit the victims of the Orlando tragedy. MLB's Senior VP of Diversity, Inclusion, and Strategic Alliances, Wendy Lewis, told me on Friday that while the event came together for tragic reasons, it also was somewhat of a celebration. Meaning that um, we know this is important, and baseball is not only supporting what's happening here today uh, with the Rays organization, but people everywhere, Uh, people who are hurting, uh, people who are healing, and um, we really see this also as an important time, uh, not only uh, in our business, but in the history of the game. And that's what I meant by celebrating. Uh, baseball has been at the forefront of what we now commonly call diversity and inclusion. And um, it continues. It continues with uh, being here with you all today, Billy Bean being here today, and most importantly, uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred uh, really leading this and uh, being as thoughtful and as proactive as he has been. How uh, or what kind of example is what the Rays are doing for other major league and other professional teams, period? I think um, you guys, what we commonly call a best business practice, uh, because you have exemplified uh, not only recognizing and being sympathetic and being empathetic, but really uh, putting work behind uh, making this a special time for people to reflect and think and think about their own behaviors. And you're celebrating each other. Uh, You're celebrating the community of not only here in Orlando, but really throughout the country. And I, you know, just in terms of walking around, seeing how active everyone is today, I am actually got to witness uh, the practice run of, uh, you know, putting the fan, putting the flag on the field, and it is obviously is very collaborative. Uh, you guys got an amazing amount of work done in a very short amount of time uh, to really uh, make it happen. And um, you will have a very full stadium today. And the only way you get that done is by doing a lot of work, all hands on deck, and really people feeling uh, that this is important. And I think if, if anything, uh, what people need to uh, learn and take away from what you guys have demonstrated today is that it takes all of us to make it better. And what other takeaways do you hope that people gain from this? I hope people understand how rich uh, this movement is, uh, that uh, regardless of your sexual orientation, that we are in all this together, uh, that uh, people are people, and that we should be promoting uh, peace and more humanity and taking very strong and public and defensive stands where that is not the case. Uh, so I continue, I hope that we continue to make our voices heard uh, to support people 
uh, and most importantly, for people to celebrate themselves. And that is Wendy Lewis of Major League Baseball, who was joined on Pride Night by Billy Bean, who threw out the first pitch. And I asked Billy, Vice President of Social Responsibility and Inclusion before the game, for his perspective. I hate that we're here together to talk about something so horrific, but I'm very, very proud of baseball um, and especially the Tampa Bay Rays for understanding its importance and that their show of support has, has been an amazing model for the rest of all, not only baseball, but for all sports. And, you know, the message is important. There's some very, very powerful images that are going to be put in front of people. And I feel very, very strongly that it's going to make us feel connected and a community will be created tonight. And if it allows people for a moment to make a consideration that they had never thought about before, um, that the LGBT community is just a part of humanity and not uh, separate or different. We all have so much in common. We all want to be loved. We want to have a family. We want to be uh, 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 feel connected and have self-value. And some one person took that away from 49 people and harmed, you know, terribly harmed and injured 53 others. And we'll never be the same. You know, our job is in our sport is to put a wonderful product on the field and, and make people happy. And I feel like, you know, tonight will be a great example that baseball will put a smile on many people's faces tonight. And it'll be about baseball. But for a moment, we're here. And the people that come tonight have made a huge uh, acknowledgement of that they want to be here in support in, in whatever way they can. And I think it's great. As a, a vice president in Major League Baseball's offices, what do you think it means to Major League Baseball that something like this is being held? I think historically a lot of uh, sports in, you know, in general have shied away from um, moments like this. I think baseball was a great healing moment in context to what happened at 9-11 when the Mets uh, played and in, in the Yankees in New York City. Uh, the city was reeling. I live in New York City. Um, and you start to see an example and understand beyond the product, beyond the, the pennant race or the World Series championships, that our communities, they embrace the teams that uh, they're fortunate enough to have. We have 30 clubs around the country, and I visited all of them. And they, uh, every community loves their team in, in unique ways. But um, this is a great example for the rest of baseball to see that it's okay to make a statement in support for the community that's not necessarily sitting in a baseball seat because we're all affected. Um, our sport is held to a higher standard. We are the sport where Jackie Robinson ran onto the field almost 70 years ago, and um, that initiated a dialogue that was uncomfortable for a lot of Americans at the time. It didn't end racism. It, it started a dialogue, and, and that's when athletes began to be uh, – uh, civil rights advocates, and I'm sure that Jackie Robinson and Rachel never planned for that to happen, but the example is that people look up to what's going on here, and uh, and so it's important, and I just uh, can't say enough about the Rays um, working so hard this whole week to do something that they wanted to do, and uh, we're here to support their decision to do that. That said, you also have the opportunity to have, you talked of dialogue, of dialogue with players and with teams and I'm curious the impact that your ability to speak to players you think has on them and has on the game going forward well I as a former player I, I've 
I am the most sensitive to what's appropriate, you know, as far as the timeline, whether it's spring training or off season or, you know, in the middle of the season, like tonight is, um, uh, the Rays asked me to talk to their ball club for a minute, uh, before tonight's game. Um, normally I'm hesitant to do that. Um, but I think, uh, tonight for a couple moments at the most, I want them to, um, have an idea what's going to happen on the field. Um, so it's not a surprise to them because people like yourself, the media might ask them and it's unfair to uh, expect all of our players to have a complete awareness of what happened in Orlando or what's going on in the community and certainly LGBT issues. I want them to, I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. Um, the Rays uh, are speaking for their players tonight, and uh, the, they made an amazing gesture. They made a video that has gone online in support. Um, three or four players really stepped up, and I want to thank them for that tonight, and I want to encourage them to uh, have a great game and, and, uh, and just tell them thank you for um, understanding they're seeing you know, in real time that as a Major League Baseball player, you're, you're confronted with so much different stimulus than just hitting a baseball or throwing a strike and catching a fly ball or fielding a ground ball. Um, they are ambassadors to this community and what they say and what they do. And if they choose not to say or do anything, that's fine as well. But at least they'll understand what's going on around them. And that, for me, is just to be – I want to support – um, all the players, and that's that's really the the core of all of my visits. Whether it's you know obviously in the in the you know the the shadows of a horrific thing that happened last week, but during spring training, I'm not there to make them like me or challenge religion or I I just want them to understand this is what's going on in the world around you. And here's a few examples of athletes who have made disparaging comments or tried to tell a joke in a, in a, on social media that didn't go over well and how easily the dynamic of their uh, reputation can change. And I want to protect them. You know, if they, if they make that decision and they want to go with that, at least th they'll have to be held accountable on their own. But the Rays um, have made it perfectly clear by inviting me and in, in this kind of dialogue, you know, multiple times that, um, they are an accepting, inclusive organization. They walk that walk with their front office employees. They're in the community. All the employees are required to do community service, you know, each and every month. Um, I just can't say enough about uh, Stuart Sternberg and Brian Ald. They just really run a great show here. And the message that you think will be received by the LGBT community, what do you think it'll be? Um, I hope that they'll see an amazing progress. When I was a player, there was never a night where you saw an image of a rainbow with the word pride on it. Or um, I think the Rays are speaking loud and clear that they support the LGBT community because of tonight. It was an attack upon a group of people. Um, that killer designated, he knew what he was doing. Um, and it was a, a horrible moment for every American. You know, we, we, my hope is that a, a lot alongside the LGBT community in Central Florida or around the country, acknowledging that the Rays are making this you know, wonderful gesture, that baseball is leading the way and making a concerted effort to educate our players and explain to them what's going on. Um, we are creating uh, every, every possible opportunity for people of diversity to come to work in baseball, and that messaging has to be consistent and often to change that di diametric um, or that dynamic 
because um, it takes time. In the old days, people would say, you know, women didn't used to think there was a job on the business side, and that's long since changed. But you still have to show role models and examples. And, and um, I think today there's a, it'll be a collective uh, uh, sense of gratitude, and I'm sure there will be a lot of people here that would not have come normally to this game, even a Pride Night, that are members of the LGBT community because they want to say thank you and, 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 and find a way through the raised generosity to know that their dollars donated through buying a ticket or um, you know, maybe making donations at the gate, whether it's a dollar or $10 or buying a hot dog, um, that it's their way of saying thank you. So more people are going to be aware of, uh, of what's taken um, a lot of work in a very, very short amount of time. But I can tell all the listeners that the Rays have been um, in this mindset long before last Sunday and have been doing everything they can, at least since uh, I've been around um, and back in baseball, to uh, let their employees and their players and their fans know that uh, everyone is welcome here. And that is Major League Baseball's Billy Bean. Special thanks to Billy and all of our guests on this Father's Day. Race bench coach Tom Foley, race vice president of communications Rick Vaughn, Michael Johns, the Charlotte Stone Crabs manager, Mike Montgomery, Sean O'Malley, the Seattle Mariners, Joshua and David Lowe, of course, Josh, first-round pick of the Rays, and also Wendy Lewis of Major League Baseball. And special thanks to producer John Milo. Next week, we learn more about Logan Morrison. If you ever have something you'd like to hear on the show, tweet me at Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next. Rays and Giants, you're listening to the Rays Baseball Network.